0: in the name of jesus lord we thank you and we bless you for these things that we ask in jesus name amen, amen. 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 well bless the lord let's go to his word Deuteronomy Deuteronomy 8. Starting at, let's see, verse 15. Well, let's go to verse 11. It says, Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I command thee this day. Lest where thou hast eaten and are full and has built got goodly houses and dwelt therein and when thou, thy herds and thy flocks multiply and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied and all that thou hast is multiplied then th- thine heart be lifted up and thou forget the Lord thy God which brought thee forth Out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage who led thee through that great and terrible wilderness wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought where there was no water who brought thee forth water out of the rock of Flint. Who led thee in the wilderness with manna, who fed thee, I'm sorry, in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee, and that he might prove thee to do thee good at thy latter end. And thou say in thine heart, My power and the might of my hand hath gotten me this wealth but thou shalt remember the lord thy god for it is he that gives you the power to get wealth amen 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 Amen. revelation 21 Verse 4, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Some of us have shed some tears in this life. God has seen every tear. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain for the former things are passed away. Clap your hands for the word of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah.
1: Bless your name, oh God. Hallelujah. In this day and times, we get a little weary in well-doing sometimes. We go, we go, we go. We get tired. We get tired. <laughs> Let me say it one more time. We get tired. Yes, we do. I'm so glad to know that God is my strength. Strength like no other. No other. Nobody can do you like God can. Nobody can feel you like God can. So we sing this praise song to you, Jesus. You are our strength. You are my strength. You are my strength strength like no other strength like no other reaches to me you are my strength strength like no other strength like To me, you are my hope, hope like no other, hope like no other. Reaches Like no other hope, like no other reaches to me. You are my strength are my strength strength.
2: to say thank you. Thank you for your grace and your mercy that is new every morning. Thank you for health and strength, Father God. Thank you for starting us on our way and keeping us in our right mind. Thank you for giving us safe travel to the house of prayer, Father God. Now, Lord, we will ask you to, as we go forth in this service, Father God, ask you to move in this building, Father God. Lord, we ask you to bless our pastor on this morning, Father God. Use him, Father God, like you've never used him before, Father God. Let the word go out, Father God, and touch the hearts, Father God, of all of those who are listening by airway, by Facebook, however they're listening, Father God. Touch their hearts, Father God. Lord, Father God, we ask you to heal those who are sick and in the hospital, Father God. Bless them, Father God, on this morning, Father God. Heal them from the top of their heads, Father God, to the soles of their feet, Father God. Lord, we ask you to bless the missing part of our church, Father God. For whatever reason, they're not here, Father God. We ask you to go to them, Father God, comfort them, touch them, heal them, deliver them, and set them free, Father God. Lord, we just want to thank you, and we bless your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen.
1: In the power, In the power of your name. You me, up you me up, me up. You lift me up, lift me up. up. The, 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 power the power of your name. You me up, me up. Jesus, yeah, 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 yeah! Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Thank you, oh God. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God! Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Give Him the honor. Give Him the glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Thank you, Lord. Let it rise. Yes, oh God. What's the greatest praise? Jesus. What's the highest praise? Hallelujah. What's the highest praise? Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
3: Let it rise. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Amen.
1: Thank you, God. <laughs> All glory to the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let the glory of the Lord rise among us. Let the glory of the Lord rise among us. Let the praises of our King rise among us. Oh, let it rise! Let Let the glory of the Lord rise among us. Let the glory of the Lord rise among us. Let the glory of our King rides among us oh let it ride i say oh. The heart of the Lord, let the, the heart of the Lord rise. Rise the love of the Lord, the love of the Lord rise, rise, let rise the praises of our king, the praises of our Rise among let us, let it rise. Let the love, let the love, let the love of the Lord, rise. Rise. Rise let the love of the Lord rise Rise among us. Let the love of the Lord. rise, rise. rise. Let the, us, the of of, let the praises of God, the praises of our king. Rise, rise among us, let it rise. How about grace? How about grace? Let the grace of the Lord. Let the grace the of the Lord. Rise in the grace of the Lord. Let the grace of the Lord. The praises of our king. Rise among us. Let it rise. Oh, let it rise. The time coming with the oh, 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 oh. let it rise. Let it rise. Let the grace of the Lord. Let the grace of the Lord. Let the grace of the Lord. The let the praise of the Lord rise. Rise. Let, among the, praises us. Of let the praises of our king rise. Rise. Rise us, let it rise. Let the praise, let the praises, the praise. Come on, come on. Let the grace of the Lord rise. Rise. Let the grace of the Lord. Let the praise of the Lord. Rise. Rise and among the us, our let the praises of our King. Rise yeah. among us, let it rise. Let it rise, let it rise. Let it rise. Let it rise. Because guess what? Guess what it is? Let it rise. As the sun, as the sun covers us, let it rise. As Jesus' love comes us every day, no matter what the weather reports, Guess what? Let it rise. Yeah. Let the graces. Mercy, let the grace of the let the grace of the Lord rise among us. Let the grace of the Lord rise, rise the among us. The let the, the, rise. Rise rise. Among the praises of our King, of our King. Rise. rise among us. Let it rise. Say, let it oh oh oh, oh, oh. Oh, oh oh oh. Let it rise. Let it rise. Say yeah, keep it there Say yeah, yeah, yeah Say yeah Yeah, yeah Say yeah Yeah, yeah Say yeah Yeah, yeah To grace and mercy Yeah, yeah To all your love Yeah, yeah Continuous grace Yeah, yeah For your love Yeah, yeah Yeah, yeah Yeah, yeah Say yeah yeah yeah. Say yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah yeah, yeah Hallelujah! 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 Hallelujah!
3: Hallelujah. Every time I sing that song, puts a joy in my heart. Oh, it puts a joy in my heart.
1: Say yeah. yeah. Say yeah 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 yeah. Say yeah 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 yeah. Say yeah 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 yeah. Say yeah yeah yeah.
2: Say yeah yeah yeah. Let
1: the city hear you. Come on. Yeah yeah. Sing it louder. Yeah yeah. Sing it loud. Yeah yeah. Sing it loud. Yeah yeah. Say yeah 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 yeah. Say yeah 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 yeah. Say yeah 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 yeah. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Hallelujah.
2: Hallelujah. At this part of our service, if you haven't had a time to give your offering, we ask you to go up, come and give your offering because this is part of our praise and worship at this time. Okay, we're going to pray over the offering. Please stand, stretch your hands forth over the offering. Father God, we actually bless this offering, bless those who have, who are able to give, and bless those who will not be able to give but able to give on their next appointed time. We actually let it go forth, multiply, and do the will of the Lord. In Jesus' name, Amen,
3: amen, amen, amen. amen. How many people out here got a testimony that they're an overcomer, Amen. think about something that you were or who you were 20, 30, 40 years ago, and you fast forward, think about it now, and you're like, wow, God, I was hanging with my friends, and possibly something happened to those friends, but nothing happened to me. walked into the steps that you made for me even before I was me hallelujah Uh (laughs) you were destined to be an overcomer
1: by the world. I've been changed by the blood. My life never been the same. Yeah. So I can lift my hands and say thank you for the grace Over- Overcomer Overcome. I'm, I'm an overcomer By the blood of the lamb. By the blood of the lamb. The word lamb. of my testimony overcome. I'm an, overcomer. Overcomer. I'm an, over- I'm an over-comer. overcomer by the blood of the lamb, by the blood of the lamb, and by the word and by the of, words words of my testimony overcome. I'm more than a conqueror, I'm a winner. The joy of the Lord is my strength, I have dominion, I walk in authority, I've been washed by his blood. Overcome. I'm over, I'm, 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 overcomer. Overcomer. I'm, I'm an overcomer. By the blood of the lamb. By the blood, blood of, the of the lamb. And by the word, by the word, my testimony. Overcome. I'm an over. I've been overcome. By the blood of the Lamb, By the blood of the lamb. The words of my testimony, testimony, he set me free, he delivered me, he rescued me, he set me free. Ever since I've been changed by the blood, my life never been the same. Thank you for the grave Overcomer. I'm an over- I'm an over-comer. overcomer. By the blood of the Lamb. By the blood of the Lamb, by the way. And by the words of my testimony.
3: trying it down on me. i sweating. I'm jealous. See? <laughs> um, as I was shoveling the spaces out there, I heard the Lord tell me, keep on doing what you're doing, and as you're moving the spaces, it moved the spaces for everyone. Keep going. Be that overcomer. your own glory, but for His glory. Amen. And as you continuously do it, all your problems will melt away as the sun's going to melt away all this stuff. Amen. Amen, amen. So I got to tell you about the testimony.
1: Testimonies, testimony. Testimony. Testimony, he rescued me. Testimony, he delivered me. That's the word of my testimony. Testimony, he saved me. Testimony, he delivered me. Testimony, he rescued me. That's the word of my testimony. testimony. Testimony He saved me Testimony He delivered me Testimony He even rescued me And that's the word word Of my testimony Testimony Testimony. I'm an overcomer Testimony I'm an overcomer Well, Well, testimony and That's the word everywhere. My testimony. Testimony. I'm an overcoming y'all. Testimony. I'm an overcoming. Testimony. I'm an overcoming. Oh, testimony. Testimony. I'm an overcoming. That's, that's the word everywhere. My testimony. 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 the word of word, my testimony, overcomer, overcomer. Yeah, yeah. I'm an overcomer, yeah. overcomer. By the blood of the, of the lamb, lamb. By the blood of the lamb. That's by the word of my testimony. testimony yeah. the overcomer. I'm an overcomer. I'm an overcomer. Yeah. By the blood of the lamb and that's the word and that's the word of my testimony
3: I'm living this moment because of you, and I want to thank you
1: and praise you too. Your grace and mercy
3: brought. join me. Grace and
1: mercy. Your grace and mercy
2: us into the presence of the Lord and we're going to turn the service now over to our bishop our bishop Roy Jesse Lysa everyone say amen for our bishop thank you
4: Lord, everybody.
0: Hallelujah.
4: Hallelujah. You may be seated. We thank the Lord for each and every one of you that is here in the household of faith. Tim threw y'all a curveball. <laughs> Amen. Do you me just turn myself down just a little bit how many of you are glad to be on this side of the earth yeah. Oftentimes, we, we, you know, we wake up each and every day and it seems just like something we do. We don't really give much thought to it. You go to sleep at night, the expectation is is you're going to get some form of rest and wake up at some point the next day. We don't think about it, we just do it. We lay down with the expectation that we're going to rise again. Last night while I was working, a gentleman came up to me. I, had, While I was working, I had heard him arguing on, the, on his cell phone and just kind of paid attention because those things can expand into other things. So just kind of paying attention to what's going on and I was listening to his conversation. And he came up to me and he shared with me that his a um, family member was just killed. It was a shooting that took place yesterday around nine eight thirty-nine p.m. And all the way on the other side of the city, he's getting notification of it and he came up to me to ask me about it and find out what I may or may not have known. <coughs> I tried to encourage him and he He left to go to the hospital to be with his family and prayed for him and believed God will grant him peace. But it caused me to think how much we take for granted. We just kind of move through life each and every day and, you know, the normal, what we consider the normal things of our life are just that, they're just normal and we do them every day not even realizing the tremendous amount of grace that God has poured out on us that we even have a normal. So I thank God for life today. I thank God for life and I thank God for the lives of each and every one of you that are here and under the sound of my voice, those that I know, my family, my friends, my extended family. I just thank God for each and every one of you. And I don't take for granted our relationship, your faithfulness, your duty to the body of Christ. I just want you to know that I love you. It's good to have my friend here with me. Amen. Anytime you get a report from a doctor, especially if it's a report that you're not happy with, what's the first thing someone tells you? That's the first thing a believer will tell you, is the devil is a liar. But there's something else that's a little bit more common, and that is go get a second opinion. Go get a second opinion. We're good about getting second opinions. It's, it's often the response to information or opinions that we don't like that forces us to go find an opinion or information that we do like. We seek out someone who's going to agree with what we want or what we want to be right in our life. I want you to ask your neighbor this question, what makes you right? you right? You see, the problem that we have is if the first opinion is, you know, not in line with what we wanted originally, then, you know, we're We're good. But too often when we don't like what someone is saying, like a doctor or a lawyer or a judge or whoever, we just switch to another lawyer, another doctor, or another judge. I was thinking about the body of Christ, and it occurred to me that this is similar to what many of us have begun to do in our relationship or our walk with God. We don't like often what he tells us. We don't really often appreciate some of the things if we're going to be real that God has shared with us especially when he prescribes a solution to our problems that we don't agree with most often God is not as judgmental as we would like him to be against those who have wronged us we would like God to just wipe them off the face of the planet move them out of the way amen We think all kinds of stuff, and thank God we're not God. But too often, when God doesn't align himself with the way we want things to be, we switch gods. We go to a God who's a little bit more convenient, one who is a little bit more adaptive, one who's slightly more flexible to our will, our lifestyle, our values, or our goals. We find a God that allows us to do us. One of the most common phrases, especially in our culture, is you do you, boo, and I'll do me. And that's really the center of our problem. We are self-centered. And we're so self-centered that we do not take seriously our walk with Christ. Well, the Israelites were kind of doing this same thing. Oftentimes we look at Israel and we connect it to the body of Christ, and Israel is an example of things that we should do and an example of things that we shouldn't do. And the Israelites were doing what we continue to do today when God begins to identify to us something that is necessary for us to understand about who He is. And I want to talk to you about that briefly today. Israel departed from the following, from following, you know, the one true God, and they began to follow foreign gods who were a little bit more lenient and, uh, you know, kind of tended to give off or give over to the desires and the lifestyles that Israel wanted to lead, especially when they were in the midst of other cultures that they wanted to be like. Israel started to look like the culture rather than Israel calling causing the culture to look like God. We're having the same problem today in church. Church looks like the culture rather than causing the culture to look like God. There's a name of God that is vital to whether or not you are in right relationship with him, and that name is Jehovah Sitkanu, the Lord our righteousness. But before we go too far into this, I want to talk briefly about the book of Jeremiah because it's in the book of Jeremiah where the only two occurrences of the name Jehovah Sitkanu are even found. And to be honest... In all of my reading, and all of my study, in the years that God has graced me with, I have found that the book of Jeremiah is one of the most discouraging books in the Bible. As a matter of fact, if you're feeling depressed, I would not encourage you to read Jeremiah. Amen. Of all the prophets in the Bible, Jeremiah is not the one that many will scream that they want to be like. We want to be like Elijah. We want to be like Elisha. You don't see too many people running around saying they want to be like Jeremiah. One of the reasons that Jeremiah is so depressing is that it chronicles a time when Judah, which is the southern kingdom during the split of Israel, had begun to wander from God and they started experiencing a decline in their culture. Now Israel, which was the northern kingdom, had long since departed from God, and they had been taken over by the king of Assyria. Now the remainder of God's people, Judah, were about to go under the judgment of the king of Babylon because they too had chosen to turn from God. God is teaching us a fundamental principle from this period in Israel's history. The further you depart from God... The more you invite decline into your life. The further you depart from God, the greater your invitation to decline is in your life. Now, the Bible teaches us that the very essence of God is life itself. Amen? So, when you put God on the periphery of your life, when you move Him, from the core of who you are, you will begin to deteriorate as a result because you are moving away from the very thing that defines what is life itself. God can never take a back seat in your focus. God has to be forefront in everything that you do, in everything that you are, In everything that you desire, God must be central and at the forefront of it. In this particular situation we're going to talk about, Israel had gone after other gods to meet their needs. Thus, it led to a decline of their civilization and culture. And the book of Jeremiah details the warnings of impending judgment that the Israelites were to face because of their rebellion against God. Make, it, no, make no mistake that when you turn away from God, you are in rebellion with God. When you turn away from God, you are in rebellion with him. And I love how God makes his will known. God tells Jeremiah to address the leadership first. And I, I love this because as sheep, we too often follow leaders who do not have our best interest at heart. There's... Uh, Arguably, too much foolishness in church leadership today. Too many leaders do not take their position as serious as they should, or at least seriously enough to deny themselves and live right for God. And as a leader in God's church, you are different. You can't do or say what others can do or say. As a police officer, I've learned that we are looked at differently than the rest of society we were held to a higher standard that others are not held to. For years, I believed that that was not fair. But this question, is it fair or not, has followed me for about 28 years now. And I've evolved into believing that holding me to a higher standard really is fair. We're held to a higher standard because we are entrusted with more than others are. So we must be above reproach. This is no different with leaders in the church. Leaders in the church are entrusted with what God has released to bring life to his people. So you should be held to a higher standard. So Jeremiah starts by addressing leadership. And we can take this as leadership in the church or leadership in the world. Jeremiah says this, uh, in Jeremiah 23 and 1. Woe to the shepherds who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Now, anytime a prophet is speaking to you and declaring that what they're saying is from God and they start with woe, you ought to be like, whoa. This is not going to go well for me if I meet the the definition of what is about to be said. So God says that the shepherds, those that are in spiritual leadership, are creating more confusion than clarity concerning who God is. Rather than using their position of influence over the Israelites to guide and direct the people of God towards God, the leaders were actually driving the people away from God. You know, one of the things that always makes me laugh that I've shared with you before is that when people come to me for counseling, I give them the word of God and they always get upset with me. And they say, well, all you tell me is what the what the word says. Yeah, that's what I'm supposed to tell you what the word says. If you listen to me, we might not go in the direction that God wants us to go. Because I'm a man, I put my pants on just like everybody else. I have my moments, amen. And I've got, you know, where Jesse gets a little bit better of, of me. So, but if I stay focused on the word of God and allow God to speak to you through me, then the word that he's given, because he never speaks outside his word, will always direct you to great success. As a leader in the Lord's church, you have to continually ask yourself, Is what I'm doing, the example that I'm setting, driving people toward a life for Christ or a life away from Christ? Am I pushing you towards Christ without uttering a word? Just the mere watching of my lifestyle, is that something that drives you to God or is that something that pushes you away? We continue to see a similar thing happening in our contemporary culture, where it's God, where God's word, His standard, seems to be compromised on many levels. And we witness pulpits that appear to be succumbing to the culture rather than proclaiming what the word declares, which stands above the culture. God doesn't mind you having a culture, but your culture does not supersede his word. We hear debates among ministers that makes us scratch our heads, especially on topics that are clearly outlined in God's word. Amen. Our leaders are making the wrong right and the right wrong. There's even this idea that somehow it's all right for people to believe what they want about God and we should not attempt to persuade them Otherwise, we should just let them live and fellowship where others believe as they believe. If this were the will of God, then there would have been no need to spread the good news of the gospel. There are some who have even said that we should not be concerned with the rulings of the high court of the land because the high court is not truly righteous. We should expect that their decisions to promote Man's will and not God's will is the way that it is. We have a responsibility to do all that we can to ensure God's will prevails in our life, even in a hostile environment. Standing idly by while everything spirals out of control is the same thing as doing nothing to stop it. I believe it was Martin Luther King who said, for evil to prevail, good people have to do nothing, or at least something to that effect. We live in a nation, a culture, and a society, and are affected by the decisions of those who make and enact law. You should have something to say. A mist in the pulpit becomes a fog in the pew. This is why God issues his stern warning directly at Israel's spiritual leadership. This is why I have held leadership accountable for their actions. Contrary to what some believe, those who have left this ministry believe, leaders are held accountable. Now, some may believe that leadership can do what they want without consequence, but that's simply not true. Just because I may not openly crucify a leader for errors in judgment for the sake of the people's opinion does not mean that nothing is being done. I've continually taught the leadership here that God holds them accountable for the people's wrong actions and choices that's based upon their leading. Now, all of this destruction in the culture leads us to the introduction of this very unique and very limited name of God as declared in the scripture. After God declares that the spiritual leaders of this time were failing miserably at what he wanted them to do, God says he's gonna raise up new leaders who will guide his people according to his plan. This is what he says in Jeremiah 23 4 through 6. I will also raise up shepherds over them, and they will tend them, and they will not be afraid any longer nor be terrified, nor will any be missing, declares the Lord. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he will reign as king and act wisely and do justice and righteousness in the land. In his days Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely, and this is his name by which he shall be called the Lord our righteousness, or Jehovah Sidkenu. You see, it's in this situation that God reveals another aspect of himself through an identifying name. He combines Jehovah, which means the self-revealing God, with Sitkanu, which stands for righteousness. And by identifying himself this way, God proclaimed that his righteousness is in the midst of the cultural chaos of the day, the most viable and most important aspect of himself. God says that his people will no longer be afraid, terrified, or missing. He says that they will be saved and dwell securely. When the leadership understands and knows Jehovah's Sitkanu, the people will understand and know him as well. And the result will be peace in the body. Unfortunately, today we're living in a time of Values clarification. You, somebody ought to tweet that. Values clarification. This is the season of values clarification. We like to think that uh, this is something new to our modern and progressive mind, but value clarification reaches back into the annals of time. In fact, in judges 21:25, we see that everyone clarified his own values, and as the word says, did what was right? In his own eyes. Doing what is right in your own eyes is values clarification. It sounds like what we're seeing in and out of the church today. Values clarification distorts a standard set of objective values. Value clarification distorts a standard set of value objectives. In academia or in education, it includes identifying who or what decides what is right or wrong. It identifies who decides what is right or wrong. Now, some people suggest that the majority should decide. Others suggest that each person on an individual level should decide. And there are other varying degrees of both of these ideological thought processes. However, the Lord wanted his shepherds to know that he is the standard by which everything else should be measured. God is the standard. By which everything should be measured. There is no other standard that matters. He is the bar that separates right from wrong. His name is the name by which we distinguish good from bad. Amen? So righteousness, then, can be defined as the standard required for people to be acceptable to God. It's the divinely ordained value of rightness. Let me say that again for you. Somebody ought to put that on Facebook. Righteousness is the divinely ordained value of rightness. This is what God wants you to understand. Righteousness comes from him. And because it comes from him, he is the only one that can define what is true righteousness. Wrongness can be understood as that which contradicts God's rightness. Wrongness is understood as that which contradicts God's rightness. Now, scripture pronounces a blessing on the people who are serious about the name Jehovah Sidkenu. And we find this in the Beatitudes, where Jesus makes this declaration himself in Matthew 5 and 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. In a medical examination, a doctor is likely to ask you, How is your appetite? You know, I'm big on appetites. I'm big on what you eat. And and for years, I've taught you that eating is more than just putting food in your mouth. But in every area of your life where things can come into you, you have an appetite. You have an appetite for hearing, an appetite for seeing, An appetite for smelling, an appetite for tasting, an appetite for ingesting, and so on. And a doctor may ask you, how is your appetite? You see, a doctor knows that if you're never hungry, something's wrong. It could be an indication that you're sick. Likewise, when you lose your appetite for righteousness, that's an indication that a spiritual sickness is occurring. When you start eating things that are not normal for yourself, it could be an indication that something else is going on. I don't know if Jocelyn has experienced that, but they say that with expectant mothers, they typically begin to eat things that are weird, or at least not normal for what they would have eaten before. I remember my wife. Most of you that know me know that I'm half Puerto Rican. And I enjoy Puerto Rican food. And there's a, a particular Puerto Rican food that I like that's called pasteles. My wife, when we were growing up, we've been together since we were 13 years old, she, she got to experience Spanish food. And she couldn't stand pasteles. Pasteles, they look weird. They, they really do. They look, I'm not even going to tell you what they look like. But they look like something you really don't want to eat. But they're the bomb. They taste great, but my wife didn't like them until she got pregnant with Jeremiah. Then all of a sudden she loved them, and now we can't find them. Amen. But things change. Your appetite changes, and and it's an indication that something is happening. But when you lose your appetite for righteousness... It's an indication that spiritual sickness is occurring in your life. And this is because when you become saved, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in your spirit. You are given an appetite for righteousness. I want you to understand something. And I know that this is arguable and debatable. And there are preachers all across the globe arguing all this stuff. Saints of God, I'm here to tell you. The Bible declares that you in your flesh are wicked period. It also tells us that the flesh is enmity against God. It can't stand the things of God. It will never seek after the things of God. Amen. So if you think that you came to God because of your flesh that you had some moment of clarity you had this moment where your flesh aligned itself with what was right, you're fooling yourself. It was God that found you It was God that released his spirit in you so that you could see him. Because your flesh would never allow you to do that. That's why your flesh is not going to heaven. Your flesh is going to change. It's corruptible. It's going to be removed. You can't save your flesh. Amen? This idea that people have that those that are in the body of Christ that somehow... The old saints used to say you, you would tarry for the Holy Ghost... As if the Holy Ghost was something that came after salvation. Saints, I'm here to tell you that absent the Holy Ghost, you could not be saved because you would reject everything of God because your flesh wants nothing to do with God. It is the release of God's spirit poured out upon you that draws you to him. It is the filling of the Holy Ghost in you that keeps you aligned with him. You can't do it in your flesh. You can't do it in your flesh. There are some people that tell you that we don't need the Holy Ghost anymore. If the Holy Ghost was not living in you, you would not be here today. It's the Holy Ghost that brought you here. I got off work at 3 o'clock in the morning. It was not Jesse's flesh that brought me here. I could have called somebody else to come preach a sermon today. Amen? It's the Holy Ghost. Because I hunger and I thirst after righteousness or rightness with God. Amen? It's the Holy Ghost that God has placed in me that drives me. And when you're hungry for God... Or when your hunger for God begins to decrease and your appetite for the things of the world begins to increase, you can be sure that the distance between you and God is not growing closer, it's growing further and further away. One of the scariest times for me as a pastor, seeing youth grow up, watching children grow up in the church, is when they go to college. That's one of the scariest times for me as a pastor. When they're in regular school, they're okay. They have the influence of the parents. They have the influence of the church. They, you know, they have me. I'm talking to them. I'm talking to their parents. I'm speaking into their life. You know, filling them with with the seed of God. But what happens in most cases is kids do what? They want to go away to college. They want to get away to college. Amen? We're begging for everyone in our families to stay local, but everyone in our families want to go somewhere else. And the problem, the problem with that is, is that when they go away, scariest moment for me is now the influence begins to get limited. And they begin to be influenced by a world system and a world culture which has turned itself against God. I'm not speaking against college. I think that you should go to college. I believe in education wholeheartedly. But it's important that you stay grounded and keep God as your focus. And not buy into everything because somebody with the title professor says that this is what is right. There is only one that is right, and that is God. As I've stood in the mirror staring at my stomach from time to time... I've come to the realization that I'm struggling with my weight. Can I just be can I just be, you know, open and honest with you today? I'm struggling with my weight. I know I hide it well with my suits, but I am. My wife has even told me that she's noticed there's a change in my physique. I try to point her to my guns, but she keeps going to my barrel. But then she goes into the kitchen and she makes an awesome meal for me to eat and she piles my plate up and then she asks me, do you want more? Like I'm going to say no. But now I jokingly say to her when she offers me that second helping that what she's actually saying to me is, here you go fat boy. And, and I'll say that to her, and we'll, we will crack up at the table. It's just, I just want you to be satisfied. I say, yeah, fat boy. <laughs> now, while I've maintained about the same weight for a long period of time, I do know that the weight that I've maintained is not really the best weight for my, for my height. And even as I've exercised and lost weight from time to time, I just put the weight back on because I, I love the snack. You see, my problem is that when I snack, I don't feel like eating healthy food. So when I get full, I fill up with nutrients that are are, necessary, I don't get to fill up with nutrients that are necessary for better weight control. I also have a problem of not eating in balance. I eat one large meal and then I may not eat anything else until the next day, and this is not good either. You see, the body will begin to hold on to fat cells to produce energy because it's not sure when the next meal is coming. Now, as a police officer, I know that this may come as a shock to you, but I've spent some time in donut shops. And I've really never left a donut shop hungry. But a donut is nutritionally wrong it might be right in terms of sweetness and it might be right in terms of pleasure but considering my body fat it's wrong and when i fill up on donuts i kill my desire for healthy food And it's healthy food that supplies me with the vitamins and the minerals and the complex carbs and all these different things that I need to be healthy and live a good life. Now, when we eat wrong, we will lose our hunger for what is right. And as a result, we won't eat as much healthy food or we begin to ignore what is healthy entirely. Now... This principle that I've just explained to you and demonstrated by an example of my own life holds true in the spiritual realm as well. When you fill up on reading novels, watching television, talking to knuckleheads, and getting the world's perspective, before you go to God, you will lose your appetite and your hunger or your thirst for God. You cease to hunger and thirst for righteousness And eliminate the care, the peace, and the provision that comes from knowing God's rightness. To know and to fully experience everything that God spoke of in Jeremiah 23 and 4, you need to know the Lord our righteousness. Jeremiah reveals the problem with the shepherds. They weren't teaching God's point of view. And as a result, the people were scattering and the culture was declining. The shepherds were acquiescing to the culture. Now, this is similar to what we do when we remove Jesus and his standard from our government, from our schools, from our businesses, from our homes, from our media, and from everything else that our lives touch. God's kingdom worldview has been replaced with a man-made worldview, and we're suffering the social upheaval that results when Jehovah Sidkenu is no longer our central focus. Let me tell you a story. I know it's getting late in the hour. Just give me, just bear with me a few more minutes. There's a story that's told, and I learned this story when I went to the uh, Jewish um, memorial in Washington, D.C. And it's told that in Nazi Germany, when the Jews were sent to the death camps, they often rode on trains, and those trains went through the countryside. Now, these trains often passed by churches that were full of German Christians who continued worshiping even as they heard the Jews being carried off to the most horrific deaths possible. Later, there was a German Christian Uh, that was asked how he could worship and study the Word of God when he heard the trains pass by. And this was his reply. When we heard the trains, we simply sang louder. You see, these individuals chose to ignore the evil that existed in their culture. They chose to remain in the safety of the church building but outside the righteousness of God. The world puts it like this, snitches get stitches. In my culture as a police officer, there is this perceived wall of blue where the expectation is is that when your brother or sister in law enforcement does something wrong, you solidify yourself, you unify yourself Behind them, even when they're wrong. And you cover that behavior. As Cynthia so eloquently said earlier in the sermon, the devil is a liar. I've told people, people that work for me as their sergeant, people that I've worked with when I was an officer, don't expect me to cover your foolishness because I have a family that I'm concerned about and I'm not going to prison for you because I look too good to go to prison. (laughs) I'm just keeping it real. And people knew. They don't do stuff around Roy because Roy's (laughs) telling. You you better believe Roy's telling. And as a sergeant, my officers knew. I told them there's, there's two kinds of mistakes. There's a mistake of the heart, and there's a mistake of purpose. And there's a difference between how I entreat you when you purposefully do something wrong versus you're trying to do what's right, it just comes out wrong. There's a difference in how I treat you and how I deal with that situation. And they know this. To today, my officers know this. They know there's a standard. And if you break the standard, this is what you can expect. We have policies, we have procedures, we have rules. There are things, and I'm not gonna circumvent them for you because I wanna be your friend. I'm not here to make friends, I'm here to lead you. The city pays me to lead you at the sergeant level, and I have a task to do, and I will do that. I will go to bat for you if you're doing what is right and is being perceived as wrong, I will fight tooth and nail, do everything I can to help you. But even that is only limited. Amen? I'm not one that just remains silent. As a matter of fact, I've been asked not to go to meetings. Because they know I'm going to say something. This is just, sorry, direct, this is just who I am. Amen? I'm not, not, I don't, I'm not one that, I know Jesus, so I'm not caught away by titles. It it doesn't like, you know, I have friends, you know, that are all kinds of titles in in my job, in the world, and have all kinds of money. That stuff doesn't impress me. I'm not swayed by it. If Donald Trump walked in here, so what? i tell him, take a seat. You need Jesus. It's just who I am. But this is what the story tells us, is that when they heard the trains, they just sang louder. They chose to remain in the safety of the church, but outside the righteousness of God. Now, the pulpit ministry is not measured by, uh, you know, your pastor's eloquence or even knowledge, but the body of Christ is evaluated by its adherence to God's standard. God is righteousness. His viewpoint is the right viewpoint, and any deviation from that leads to chaos and to the devolution of life. I'm not sure if I have time to get too deep into this, but we have to understand we need to move by action, not feeling. Living of right, a life of righteousness may not always feel good at the moment. In fact, when you hunger after righteousness, you may even become more acutely aware of your sinfulness, and that won't feel good at all. But the only way to live righteously is to allow God to reveal your sin to you so that his grace and mercy that he can give to you will overcome your failure. I've been dealing with pain in my lower back for a long time. And I went to the doctor. Let me just leave you with this, this example today, and, and, and we'll pick this up next week. I, I went to the doctor, and he recommended an outpatient surgery for me. And he wanted to take a long needle guided by an x-ray machine, and he wanted to stick that thing in my back right around where the pain was, which was seated in between some joints and around some bones. It sounds wonderful, right? Yeah, not so much. Because the initial pain of this in and out surgery ultimately would lead to my momentary healing. So, some of the suffering I needed to endure was necessary for me to get to a place of strength. Now, righteousness may not always feel good at first. In fact, Righteousness or rightness or doing things right may not always feel good at first. You may ruffle some feathers. You may upset some folk. You may lose some friends along the way. But the result of righteousness in your life is always good because God's own name Is the Lord our righteousness? He cannot abide with sin or unrighteousness. We know that doctors and bacteria are incompatible while in the surgery room. And if the doctor should fellowship with bacteria and they come together into the operating room, healing would certainly not come. Doctors do everything they can to be clean before they go into the operating room. You see it on TV all the time. They're scrubbing their hands. All these doctor shows, they're scrubbing their hands and putting all this stuff on that's sanitized, and you know, they back through the door. They don't touch the door. See, I would be a bad doctor because I, I would like have to see where I'm going, and I would push the door after I wash my hands. Then I have to start all over again. But what's one of the things that they tell you when you go into an operation? That infection is possible. Why? Because bacteria, as much as we fight against it, is always present. They do everything they can to fight against it. They use all the tools and all the disinfectants, but it's still there. They have to war against it. It's there. Righteousness exposes areas where sin has infected your life so that you can deal with the problem and return to a right relationship with God. And God tells us how He brings righteousness into uh, our life of His own. He says, I will raise up for David a, a righteous branch, and He will reign as king and act wisely and do justice and righteousness in the land. Now, this verse is one of the Old Testament prophecies that's connected to Jesus Christ. Jesus comes from the Davidic line. He is David's offspring. Jesus then is the fulfillment of the names of God. But since this particular passage is a prophecy of the coming Christ, I compel, I'm compelled to explore him more deeply. But we will do that next week. I want to talk to you about Jesus and how he brings righteousness, how he is righteousness, and because of who he is, what you have become through him. Amen? Amen. Not by works of your own that any one of us could boast, but only by his grace. Only by his grace are we able to stand in rightness with him when we follow his standard? And I found that following the standard of God is going to frustrate people. It's going to frustrate people. It's going to make people upset. People are going to leave you. They're going to walk away from you. Even the ones that you thought were the closest to you, at times will run away from you. But you cannot let that stop you from doing what is right in the sight of God. I'd rather lose friends here than stand in front of God in that day of judgment and have to explain why I adjusted his rightness because I did not want to lose friends. Because the question that will be asked is, did you value your friendship with man greater than your friendship with God. Amen. And I don't know if anyone here, I, I know I don't want to be asked that question. Amen. I, all I want God to say when he sees me is, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Amen. Rest from your work. Amen. That's all I want to hear. I don't want to hear nothing else. I'm not trying, if God starts asking questions, you're in trouble, amen. 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 amen, hallelujah, we thank the Lord for this, this time that he's given us to celebrate, he, Jesus himself didn't ask us to do much, but this is one thing that he asked us to do, and he said that as often as we do it, do it in remembrance of him, what are we remembering, we're remembering that he left his exalted position that he thought it not robbery to come down and be like us. He came down to be like us, to be a high priest touched with our infirmities yet without sin. Then he laid his life down. No man took the life of Christ. Jesus was not murdered. He laid his life down. It's important we understand the difference. Because if Jesus would have said in the Garden of Gethsemane, yeah, I've kind of rethought this, we'd have been in trouble. When he was on the cross, if he would have said, yeah, I've had enough, the host of the angels in heaven were waiting for a command to wipe out all creation. But that, that command never came, thank God. What are we remembering? We're remembering that Jesus laid his life down for us. And then he didn't just leave it down. He picked it back up again when he came out of the tomb to let everything know that all power is in his hands, that every authority is subject to him. He conquered hell, death, and the grave. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more next week. But one of the things he commanded of us Matter of fact, he said he longed to have this meal with his disciples in the upper room. This Passover, he became the Passover for us. The Word declares that on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, "Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. As often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me." After the same manner, also, he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. As often as ye drink it, drink it in remembrance for me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, you do shew the Lord's death till he come. Jesus did a wonderful and marvelous thing for us, something for which we truly cannot comprehend when he laid his life down for us. When he went into the lower parts and took the keys of life and death from the devil. And when he ascended on high, fulfilling God's prophetic word as written and declared in scripture. Father, these sacraments, this bread that represents your body, this juice that represents your blood, we receive it that we might become partakers of that which is true and just knowing that when you died and arose again you buried our sin and you poured out upon us your righteousness your word declares that you became our sin and we became the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus, our Lord. So, Father, we remember today. We remember and dare never forget the suffering, the brutality, all demonstrated and completed and fulfilled because of your love for us. That today I might be able to stand here and declare and my brothers and sisters with me That we are no longer sinners, but we are the redeemed of the Lord. Father, now we ask thy blessing upon these sacraments as we give them to our brothers and sisters. Father, let them be reminded, let them visualize what you have done for them. That it would again for them become real. That it would reignite a fire in them. That it would connect them again with your love. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to commune with you in these sacraments. We thank you for it in the name of Jesus. I ask that you come, that we might share these together. Hallelujah. the Bob coming? Yes.
1: Sir.
4: Amen. Let us remove the bread and as the word declares, after he had given thanks, he broke it, and he ate it. Let us drink this juicer represents the blood of Jesus. That blood that washes us and makes us whole. Let's look to the Lord. Father, we thank you for your grace and truth. For the sharing together of these sacraments. Knowing that the bread represents your body, which was brutalized for us. And your blood, which was poured out on Calvary. The shedding of the blood that washed our sin away. Lord, we thank you We thank you. We could not be today who we are had it not been for your death, burial, and resurrection. We will never forget what you've done for us. Father, this word that you've released into the atmosphere of our lives today, let it meet us That we might all begin to understand that in truth we are all leaders. We're your ambassadors in the world, leading everyone that you give us opportunity to engage to Christ. Thereby, we're all responsible to walk according to your standard. Father, wherever we're failing, wherever we're weak, wherever We are not like you bring it to the forefront of our mind we might surrender this place to you use us for your glory speak your word of life through us at every turn at every opportunity let us declare your truth even when it's not convenient let us always speak that which is right all from a place of love. For we speak these things not to belittle anyone, but that they too might find freedom as we have in you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I know all of us have specific needs, conditions in the body, mentalities, ideologies, thoughts, that need your help. Some may be dealing with sickness in the body. Father, we thank you by faith for your healing. I know that the evidence declares that the body is failing, but your word declares that you are life. We stand in the gap in the name of Jesus right now for those that are afflicted in their bodies. My son Jeremiah that is fighting COVID right now. My brother Bishop Timothy Lynch who is in a coma in the hospital because of a heart attack while shoveling the other day. And all the others that I know that are dealing with the frailty of natural life. We speak life and peace into them right now. We call upon thy healing virtue to minister to them right now in the name of Jesus. My good friend and my brother that you've allowed me to come to know daughter Haley who's waging war right now in her body. We speak life and vitality, restorative strength in the name of Jesus. Man is limited in its medical knowledge, but God, you created the body, you sustained the body with life, you breathe the breath of life into the body. Now, Father, as only you can, minister your grace into the body yet again. Let these all become testimonies, living witnesses of your grace and your mercy, of your healing power and your delivering hand. Death, we rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Father, I know that there are others that are struggling with all kinds of things in life. Meet each of them your people at the point of their need ministering as needed that they might come to know who you are surround us with people that are like-minded that would speak into our lives that would encourage us and father when it feels like we're all alone let us become double-jointed and encourage ourselves Father, Lord, speak to us. Release your spirit mightily in and through us. We thank you for great victory. By faith, we thank you for testimonies of healing and deliverance. We thank you right now by faith for the victory that is won in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. For us, tomorrow is uncertain. But for you it is settled and as we are in your hands we know that you work all things together for our good that our tomorrow is in your hand and your desire is to prosper us so though for me it may be uncertain I am certain that you have And in that, I know that even in uncertain things, I'm going to be all right. So I thank you right now. I thank you in advance. I celebrate you in advance. I praise you in advance for every victory. For even as we sang today, we are overcomers. And we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and our testimony. Hallelujah. Take us into the remainder of this week. Using us, speaking to us, liberating us, and causing us to become liberators to those in our life. Let your glory shine brightly in and through us. Stay the hand of the enemy. Defeat him at every turn. Charge thine angels encamped round about us to get to work, bearing not the sword in vain, but making war for us, that we might walk upright before you, bring clarity and peace to our thoughts, that we might remain focused upon you. When we know not what to do or what to say, fill our mouth and fill our mind with your truth, that what we declare will shift atmospheres and change lives. We thank you right now in the name of Jesus and the people of God say, amen. 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 Consider yourself dismissed. We thank God for each and every one of you. Fellowship one with another.